Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Terrence McCauley Podcast. I'm your host, Terrence McCauley. Today, I would like to discuss the third book in the successful Aaron Mackey series. This one is called Get Out of Town. It was published by Kensington Books in 2020, and it continues the saga of Aaron Mackey and Billy Sunday that I started in the first two books of the series, Where the Bullets Fly and Dark Territory. This one was a particularly good labor of love for me because I had finally gotten comfortable enough with the characters and the story arc that I had built to push my boundaries a little bit, to tell a more complex story than I was planning on doing, and also dig a little bit deeper into the pasts of the characters and talk about their strengths and weaknesses. I'm going to read to you from the back of the book, so we're all literally starting on the same page. Dover Station, Montana, is no place for a lawman. A sheriff's badge ain't worth a nickel here, unless you've got the bullets to back it up. When he signed up to be the sheriff of this dirty little boom town, Aaron Mackey knew he was asking for trouble. Once... When Mackey was the U.S. Marshal for the whole Montana Territory, he swore no job could get any harder. But that was before he took down a few of the bank-robbing Hancocks and incurred the wrath of the gang's maniacal matriarch, Mad Nellie Hancock. And that was before every avenging outlaw and hired henchman came crawling out of the woodwork to kill him in the meanest, bloodiest showdown the town had ever seen. Aaron Mackey knows you can't fight City Hall, but you can flush out every kill-crazy outlaw, greedy grifter, and boomtown rat then exterminate with extreme prejudice. Now, this book is a particular favorite of mine because I love the cover. It is painted at sunset, and it portrays a character who's supposed to be Aaron Mackey, who was leading a dead outlaw into town over a mule. Now, the reason why I love that is because it speaks to the catchphrase that Aaron Mackey begins to use from this point forward in the series, in this book and in other books. He'll tell an outlaw that he has paper on them, meaning he has a warrant for their arrest, and he tells them straight up or over the saddle, it makes no difference to me. You're coming with him. That was a uh, it was it was something that I came up with that I figured could identify Mackey as his own hero. It's kind of like his Dirty Harry moment, if you will. It also speaks to his character too. Uh, it's something that he has shown in the uh, previous books: his determination to get the job done, no matter what the cost, especially to himself and his own personal safety. This book opens up in a different way than in the other two novels that are part of this series. At the end of Dark Territory, for example, we see that Billy and Aaron have outsmarted the diabolical James Grant, and he was trying to abolish their uh, positions in Dover Station, and they went ahead and accepted the positions of U.S. Marshal for the entire territory. 
Now, that expands the conflict by quite a bit. Not only is Mackey responsible for just Dover Station, he's responsible for an entire territory that's bigger than most European nations. So it adds a lot of different considerations for him, a lot of new stresses, and it also allows me to expand on various themes that I've introduced earlier in the series. We get to see that Mackey is not just tough, but he's also capable. His responsibilities have also changed. He's not just responsible for Dover Station, he's responsible for an entire territory. And he begins to take heat for that because he is spending an awful lot of time still caring about Dover Station, and he should be in Helena, Montana, the capital of the territory and the capital of the state as it is today. We also see an expansion of the universe that I've created in the first two books. We get to see James Grant as a more diabolical character. He's not just concerned with Dover Station anymore, like Mackey. He's also interested in extending his reach throughout the territory, and perhaps even more than that. He does that by joining up with the nefarious Hancock family. Now, when I was looking to create a suitable nemesis for Mackey, I didn't want it to be your typical Ike Clanton cackling bad guy. I didn't want that. I wanted something different. And I decided that the best way to do that would be through having the Hancock family be run by a matriarch, someone who married into the family, but is more of a Hancock than anyone who was born with the name. Like any family, they have their bright spots, and they also have their uh, black sheep. Well, this happens to be a family that's comprised mostly of black sheep, and they have no problem doing James Grant's bidding for him. They are a, a ruthless group of people, and there's an awful lot of them, which only serves to make Mackey's life a lot more difficult in the pages of Get Out of Town. The book starts off in typical Mackie style. He is riding into the town of Hancock, right into the belly of the beast, with a dead Hancock leader across that pony that you see on the front of the uh, cover. It shows that he is not only brave, but he is making a point to this family by going right into their backyard, so to speak, and showing them that there is literally a new sheriff in town. In this case, a new lawman in charge of the entire territory. He's already aware of their partnership with James Grant, and he's making a statement here. And I'm showing him in a way that doesn't just tell you that he's brave and that he's tough, but I'm showing you as well, and in a unique way. He faces down the matriarch, not in the middle of Main Street at high noon, and not with a dramatic gunfight, but actually while he's having dinner. This book also allowed me to give his horse, Adair, a uh, more prominent role in the beginning of the book. I wasn't planning on Adair becoming a fan favorite, but uh, the Black Arabian Purebred has become a favorite among the people who've read my work. 
she is very reflective of the man who rides her. She is cantankerous and uh, dangerous in her own right. She's not above biting uh, a shoulder off somebody or uh, fighting back when she's not treated as well as she possibly can be. I have Mackie ride alone into Hancock for another reason. It allowed me to expand on something I did in Dark Territory, which is to give Billy his own chance to shine. Billy Sunday is in Dover Station on his own at this point. And remember, he's no longer just Mackie's deputy as uh, the person who's in charge of Dover Station. He's also a deputy United States Marshal with also increased responsibilities. So in this instance, I talk about Mackie's increased celebrity and how Billy has to deal with that now that he's back in Dover Station by himself. Dover Station has even become something of a tourist attraction now that Mackie's fame as the savior of Dover Station has spread throughout the West. People want to come and see the, the chair where he rocks back and forth in front of the jailhouse. They ask questions about Mackie and does he really carry pearl-handled revolvers? You're starting to see more of a mythos build about Mackie that he is not entirely comfortable with, but that amuse Billy to no end because Billy knows the man better than he knows himself and he uh, is enjoying Mackie's unease with being something of a celebrity. Another main feature of this book is that you're starting to see not only a change in the characters, but a change in Dover Station itself. In the Dark Territory, we see some of the ruins of Dover Station after the Darabont gang has left it, and we see James Grant beginning to dig his heels in as um, Silas Van Dorn takes a step back and allows him to have his way. In this book, James Grant is already firmly entrenched as the main power in Dover Station, and he's looking to expand that power however he can. We are seeing Dover Station change itself. Uh, we're seeing the results of those new investments that Silas Van Dorn has promised and that Fraser Rice has promised. And the, the town is no longer the sleepy backwater it once was. It's starting to come into its own, and that brings with it a whole host of new concerns and new people along with it. In this book, we get to see Catherine change as well. In Dark Territory, we saw Catherine was still suffering the after effects of her captivity with Darabont. She slowly overcame them, uh, and now in this book, she is starting to become more of a partner to Mackie than just someone who is dependent on him. But Catherine isn't just changing for the sake of change or because she's been in the book for a while and I decided that I needed to do something different with her. Her relationship with Mackie is undergoing a, a huge change as well. She's more confident in herself. She's starting to become her own woman once again, and that only increases the attraction between Aaron and Catherine into what has become a love story a lot of my readers really like. 
In addition to the changes at Dover Station, we're also seeing Underhill become more of his own man. And that also adds to a lot more of the conflict between Billy, Aaron, and Underhill. He's not just the itinerant interloper who came in at where the bullets fly, but he has signed on to be one of the people who helps James Grant transform uh, Dover Station from a backwater into a going concern. And that puts him at odds with Mackie, and that puts him at odds with Billy, too. Billy is usually the least trustful of the duo, and we see that come to light in this book when he distrusts Underhill and Underhill's motivations. He doesn't trust James Grant or anybody that has anything to do with him, while Mackie still holds out hope that Underhill can be relied upon to still do the right thing. This book also allowed me to showcase some other characters that I was already beginning to think about having their own series. And one of those characters was Jeremiah Halstead. We get to see a lot more of him in this book than we have in the uh, previous books where he was introduced. And we get to get a better sense of his capabilities, his personality, and his motivations. He became a real favorite character of mine to write because he's not as stoic as Mackie is. He's he's more of a gunfighter. He's he's a bit flashier than Mackie. He's a bit younger and, and experienced, and he plays off well against some of the other characters in the book because he's so different. They're not used to having a character like him. He's more of a gunslinger here. And Halstead also made the books continually fun to write. You know, I always love writing these books, and, and I never really get what some people call writer's block. But like anything else, if you keep writing the same characters all of the time, there's a tendency to take them for granted or maybe mail it in every once in a while. We've all read series where you can just tell that the artist's heart wasn't in it or that they took a different bent for their own creative sake just because they were bored with the story. Uh, they had a little bit too much humor in it or too much violence or whatever just to shake things up a bit. I try not to do that. I try to keep the tone and the atmosphere the same in all of my work, but that doesn't mean I want to write the same kinds of story over and over again any more than you want to read it. I choose to introduce new characters instead who aren't just there for, um, lack of a better term, a guest starring role or the predictable story arc where they meet ruin or something along those lines. Instead, I try to uh, see what I can do to expand the universe I've created, and Jerry Halstead really allowed me to do that. He's not your conventional character. He's, uh, as I said earlier, he is a gunslinger, but he's also got a haunted past. He was convicted un unjustly for a crime he didn't commit. He served time. He got out, gained revenge, and came north to join Mackie and Billy in Dover Station. And now that they're marshals of the territory, he has joined them in that quest. And we get to see more about what he can do. We see more of his capabilities, more of his motivations. And the more I wrote him, the more interested I became in him, and the more I began to think that maybe this guy could be strong enough for his own spin-off series. 
So while I was doing this book, that was going on in the back of my mind as well. What can I do to uh, maybe set him up for his own journey? Still in the same universe, of course, but maybe uh, liven things up a bit. Now, that germ of an idea stayed with me throughout the writing of this book, and I was able to continue it uh, when uh, Kensington gave me the go-ahead for a uh, brand-new series that'll be coming out next year starring Jeremiah Halstead. The books take place in the same universe that I've created, and there are some familiar characters and faces who are going to pop up in those books, but uh, it's going to definitely be a Jeremiah Halstead series of novels. And uh, with any luck, I'll be able to write more than two, but only time will tell. For now, with Get Out of Town, I set up the next book in the series, which was called The Dark Sunrise. It's a book where all of the arcs that I've built over three novels comes to something of a conclusion, but it isn't by any means the end of Aaron Mackey or Billy Sunday. There's still plenty of stories and, and novels that I can write about their ongoing partnership, their journey through uh, the Montana Territory. However, uh, I would say that Get Out of Town is definitely a bridge book, even though a lot of people can read it on their own, and a lot of people have. They've read this one first, where they didn't read some of the other books in the series. Also, it's interesting to note that uh, when Kensington put this up for a book bug discount, I wound up getting more reviews on this book than I had on any of my other books. It's, it's well over 120 right now, and that was uh, that was really great for me, because as I've said in other podcasts, I got a lot of feedback, and feedback helps me figure out what people want to see with the characters, and it gives me ideas on additional storylines in the future. So this book was certainly no exception, and if anything, the reviews I got only strengthened my resolve to continue these characters and give them more interesting problems to solve and ways to evolve. So I know you're probably asking yourself, well, what happens in the end of this book? A lot of things. And I can't tell you that because then you won't pick it up and buy it for yourself. So I encourage you to tune in next time. As always, I look forward to hearing from you. If you want to get in touch with me, you can always email me your feedback or questions at Terrence, T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, at T-E-R-R-E-N-C-E, M-C-C-A-U-L-E-Y.com. My website is the same, TerrenceMcCauley.com. I'm not going to spell that out for you again because that gets to be a bit time-consuming. I'm also all over social media. I am on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, too. I'm also going to be launching a newsletter in the very near future that will keep you up to date on everything I'm working on now and what I'm planning to do in the future. You can sign up for that on my website, and we will be able to keep you posted on a lot of the good stuff that's coming my way, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have that happen. I thank you for tuning in, and I hope you'll join us next time right here on the Terrence McCauley Podcast. Good luck, everybody. Be well. Thank you.